23. Uh, we read verses 1 uh, through 14 last week, uh, but in order for us to, to understand the context of verses 15 through 23, we need to understand uh, where we are. So we're going to read Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 23 this morning. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the medium of median descent, who was made king over the region of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed the books of the numbers of the years which was, which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Let me pause for just a moment. Verse 2 simply said, I was reading the book of Jeremiah. So, so don't get lost in verse 2. He simply said, I was reading from the book of Jeremiah. Verse 3, so I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from thy commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to thy servants, the prophets who spoke to us, in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to thee, O Lord, but to us, open shame. As it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, and all of the countries to which thou hast driven them, because of their unlawful deeds which they have committed against thee. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which, we, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed thy law and turned aside, not obeying thy voice, so that the curse has been poured out upon us, along with the oath, which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus he confirmed his words, which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring upon us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there, was not, there has not been done anything like, was, like what was done in, to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all of the calamity has come upon us Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to thy truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all of his deeds which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who has brought thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has made a name for thyself, as it is written this day, we have sinned and we have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all of thy righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath turn away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem, thy people have become a reproach to all of those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. And for thy sake, O Lord, let thy face shine upon thy desolate sanctuary. O oh my God, incline thine ear to hear. Open thine eyes to see our desolation in the city which 
which is called by thy name, for we are not presenting our supplication before thee on the account of any merits of our own, but on account of thy great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For thine own sake, O my God, do not delay, because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Now while I was speaking and praying, and I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then a man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And he gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Let's pray. Lord, may we indeed give heed and understanding to your word this morning. Lord, may you speak to our hearts. May we hear from Daniel's prayer your heart may we hear a heart of repentance may we hear a heart of supplication may we hear a heart of faith and hope in the coming messiah lord may you speak to our hearts this morning may you spur us on to obedience in jesus wonderful name we pray amen well we talked last week and we talked about Daniel's prayer, and we, we, we looked at the first few verses of Daniel's prayer and, and how, how Daniel owns the sin of Israel, uh, and Daniel, Daniel makes, makes all of these statements, we, our, us, uh, even though Israel, he is suffering the consequence of generations past, and, and Daniel is, is praying on behalf of Israel, he is, he is seeking the Lord, and even in the midst of, of Daniel's uh, supplication in the midst of our sin we see that daniel's supplication is based upon the loving kindness and the grace of our god go back to chapter uh, to, to verse 9 and i want us to see that that as daniel is making these confessions and as he's as he's confessing to the lord notice the basis on which he is bringing his supplication to the lord look at verse 9 he says to the lord our god belongs compassion and forgiveness for we have rebelled against God. And so he's bringing these supplications to God, not based upon, not based upon anything and any merits that, that he has in and of himself, not based upon his righteousness, not based upon what he deserved or an, or an aspect of entitlement, but he is bringing the supplications on, to, to God and he is, he is expecting God to act based upon God's compassion and God's grace and God's mercy and God's loving kindness. We, uh, John uh, mentioned... This morning, bro, John mentioned this morning, Psalm 103. And it's interesting that he mentioned Psalm 103, because if you go to Psalm 103, it tells us, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons the iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems, from life, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and with compassion. And if you... Skip down a couple verses. It says in verse 8 that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his sin from us, nor will he keep his anger from us. But he has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from west, so far as he removed our transgression from from before us just as the father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him and it goes on and on to talk about the loving kindness verse 17 says but the loving kindness of the lord is from everlasting to everlasting and so that is the basis on which daniel is beseeching the lord he's not saying god you owe this to me he's saying god you owe nothing to me nothing but but wrath and judgment and and punishment and the consequences of my sin i know my sin and it's ever before me but on the basis of your loving kindness which is from everlasting to everlasting that is the basis that i'm coming to you it's much like a loving father whom the son has broken every rule he stayed out past curfew he took dad's car without asking, wrecked dad's car, come home and said, Dad, I snuck out, was out past curfew, wrecked the car. I screwed up. But can you help? Can you help not because I deserve to be helped? Can you help not because... Because I've done anything worthy of of, of help and worthy of assistance, but because you're my dad, will will you help? That's where Daniel's coming from. He says, God, verse 9, you are a God full of grace and you're a God full of compassion. It says, to the Lord our God belongs compassion and forgiveness. And look at verse 16. O Lord, in accordance with all of your righteous acts, in accordance with all of your graciousness. He is pleading for the Lord. Go back to the book of Psalms, chapter 6. This week as I was reading, I've been reading through the Psalms, and I came across Psalm 6 in verse 4. Really resonated with me this week. The psalmist says, Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. Save me, deliver me because of your loving kindness. And as we looked last week at at the new covenant, we looked at Ezekiel chapter 36 and we looked at verse 32 and we saw that that at the end of that new covenant that that there is this this reality that, that God has called us to loathe our sinful state, to hate that which which causes iniquity, that that which makes us the wrath of God, that we are called to loathe and to hate and to despise that which God hates, and that is sin. But the thrust of Daniel's appeal is based upon God's loving kindness and His compassion. I want us to go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. I want us to look at something. Look at chapter 16, Daniel chapter 9, verse 16. O Lord, in accordance with all of your righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath turn away from thy city, Jerusalem, from your city and your holy mountain, in chapter 16. 
Look at the end of chapter 16. For Jerusalem, your people have become a reproach to all those around us. Look at chapter 17, the end of chapter 17. He says, for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine upon your desolate sanctuary. Look at verse 18, the beginning of verse 18. O my God, incline your ear to hear, open your eyes to see the desolations of the city which is called by your name. And look at verse 19. I want us to listen how many times the personal pronoun your is used right here in chapter 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. Take action for your sake, O my God. Do not delay because of your city, because of your people are called by your name. Do you hear the, 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 the concentration and the thrust of Daniel's prayer? He's not praying for himself, is he? He is not beseeching the Lord, God, my life is is a wreck. My life is in shambles. I'm suffering under the exile and I'm having to serve under Babylon's rule and I'm having to serve under under Persian's rule and I haven't done anything wrong and, 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 and I, I, I. That is not what we hear in Daniel. Daniel is, is, is interceding on behalf of Israel. He's saying, God, for your people, your city, your, your holy mountain, your people who are called by your name, Please redeem us, save us, fix this this, this sin problem. He is beseeching God on behalf of Israel because he understands that Israel is God's people and Israel is is whom God has, has set apart to be a nation and it is through Israel that all people will be blessed. Let us remember the promise of Abraham. The very first covenant that God ever made with, with, with a people group was the promise that he made to Abraham. And what was the promise? He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I am going to set you apart. I'm going to be your God and you're going to my, and you're going to be my people. Why? So that all the people in the world can be blessed because of you. Well, how was that going to happen? We now know in hindsight, we now know in retrospect that, that, Jesus was going to come through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah, and through David, and through the son of David, that there would be a, a, a savior that would come, and that would reconcile a sinful, a sinful man to a holy God, and that all nations, both Jew and Gentile, would be blessed because of Jesus. That was the promise. It was never about land. It was never about the law. It was never about the temple. It was always about that all nations may be blessed because God had a people. And through those people, he was going to send a Savior. And that was what it was always about. And and Daniel, while he may not have understood all of that, he understood that through Israel, all people were going to be blessed. And so now he's, 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 Israel is in a state of exile. Israel is suffering under judgment. Israel is suffering the consequences of their sin. And, and Daniel is going to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, on behalf of your great glory, on behalf of your people, on behalf of your church, on behalf of your city, pour out your grace. Be that loving, kind, compassionate God that we know you to be. There is the thrust 
of Daniel's supplication. And it's not based upon, it's not based upon any merit in Israel, but it's based upon God's compassion and God's grace. He pleads for God to act, and he pleads for God to act for his glory. Did you hear that? Look at verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. Why? For your sake. Not for my sake, but for your sake. I want us to understand the situation in Babylon and Persia at this time. As far as the Babylonians are concerned, as far as the Persians are concerned, this deity of Israel is just another god. In fact, it's just another god that has been trampled and that has been humiliated and that has been desecrated by the god of Babylon, Marduk, and the god of the Persians, Nebo. This is the, the, the circumstance that Israel finds themselves in. They are subservient to the Persians and the Babylonians. Now, we understand the backstory. We understand that the only way that, that the Babylonians and the Persians were allowed to, to overcome Israel was because God gave them over to their enemies. But if you are a Persian, if you are a Babylonian, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, man, I'm sure I'm glad that the Israelites were, were, were full of idolatry because if they weren't, then we would have never been able to, to, to capture them. We would have never been able to, to, to overcome them. No. You're thinking, my God, my deity, little g God, my deity is better than his deity because we were able to overcome, we were able to subdue them, and now we are, they are subservient to us and we are sovereign over them. That's the, the circumstance, that's the mindset of the Babylonians and the Persians. And so listen to the supplication of Daniel. God, for your sake, for the sake of your reputation, for the sake of your glory, Jerusalem has been desecrated. Your holy people are in captivity, in exile. For the sake of your glory, redeem your people. God is jealous for his glory. He is consumed with, Daniel is consumed with grief and concern for Israel. Now here's the question I have for us, church. That's, that, that's a wonderful understanding of Daniel chapter 9. But we don't live in Babylon or Persia. There's no exile. You know, what, how, do I, how do I apply this today? Do we as a church, as an individual, do we intercede for the church of God? How many churches in and around Baton Rouge are without pastors? Do you know? How many churches in and around Baton Rouge are we familiar with, with their ministries, their missions, how they're, how they're serving and, and reaching their community? Do we know? Do we care? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Paul gives some insight to the book of to the church at Ephesus about Christ and his church. Chapter 5 verse 25. 
Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he says, Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing with water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such things, but that he, but that she, the church, should be holy and blameless. Jesus loves his bride. Jesus loves the church. Warts and all. Jesus looks at his radiant bride. And says, look how beautiful. My bride, my church. Do we love the church? Do we intercede for the church? What about the church in China? In India? In South America? In Europe? Do we intercede for those pastors who are placing their life on the line every time they step behind a pulpit and proclaim the good news of the gospel do we pray for the church do we intercede for the church do we understand that the church is god's intended methodology for the fulfillment of the great commission god does not intend to to reach the masses by lone ranger christianity that is not god's intended purpose god's intended purpose is to use the local church the local body of believers to equip them to edify them and to send them out as warriors into the world that is god's methodology for fulfilling the great commission is the local church do we pray for the local church do we see the local church as 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 Israel, as, as those branches that have been grafted into Israel, that, that, that God is going to fulfill His promise both now and in eternity through the local church. That's the application that Jesus is jealous for His bride. He loves the church. And as Daniel intercedes for Jerusalem, we as the church, we as individuals in our prayer times, we ought to be interceding for the church. We ought to be praying for pastors, for teachers, for leaders, for elders, for local congregations. Whenever we hear that the enemy is attacking a a certain local church or or that that there's persecution that has broken out, that ought to grieve our heart and our our soul. And and we ought not to relish that that there is division and, and divisiveness in the church, but it ought to grieve our soul and we ought to intercede for them. Daniel chapter 9. We get to the end of this passage, Daniel chapter 9, verse 19. And so many of us, Brother Glenn, want to read real fast through verses 20 through 23 so we can get to 24 because after all, 24 is where it really gets interesting, right? We got all this time, 70 weeks and all this kind of stuff. Slow down. Let's read and let's understand what the Lord is saying to us in verses 20 through 23. Don't jump ahead. We'll get to it in time. Chapter 20, I'm sorry, verse 20 is a summary of David's prayer, of Daniel's prayer. Now, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord on behalf, uh, before my God, on behalf of the holy mountain of my God, he, he summarizes his prayer in verse 20. 
But I want us to understand that if you look at verse 21, we see a glimpse into Daniel's heart. While I was still speaking in prayer, then a man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision, previously came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. Israel's been in captivity for about 50 years at this point. They've suffered in exile in Babylon. Now Persia has taken over. We're talking about 50 years' time period since Israel has experienced worship in the temple. 587, the temple was destroyed. So, so there was no temple worship. Yet, how does David qual? I'm sorry. How does Daniel qualify when Gabriel appeared to him? Does everybody see that? About the time of the evening offerings. That's where his mental clock is. His mental clock is is not. He's not on Babylonian time. He's not on. You know, well, about the time you know that 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 we give the uh, the annual sacrifice to to the god of 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 Marduk or the god of Nebo. No, he's on Israelite time. He's on Judean time. He is on the time of temple worship. That is that is what is ingrained in his mind. He is in Babylon. He is in Persia, but he is not of Persia. <clears throat> Back in July, my dad passed away, and there are things that, no matter how long time passes, I know that this smell or this song or this event immediately brings you back. Uh, just a couple of, uh, just about two or three weeks ago, uh, I had uh, split a bunch of firewood, walked outside the back door the next morning, and that smell of that green wood, freshly split, just hit you in the face. And I got in my truck and to come to work and tears just filled my eyes and it had nothing to do with firewood. It had nothing to do with 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 the smell. It had everything to do with that that relationship with my dad. And I think I'll be 70 years old. And when I smell fresh cut firewood, it's going to bring me back to that relationship. And when I smell, you know, certain things or a song is going to come on the radio or an event. And and for many of you right now, you're you're thinking about that that smell or that song or that, that, that reminds you of that loved one that, that, that you had that relationship with. And the reason that it reminds you, the reason it's so vivid is, is because there was that, they were a part of you. And it, it, it brings back that, that, that memory, that, that relationship that, that defines an aspect of who you are. For Daniel... I want us to understand that whenever he qualifies this time, 50 years later, he says, about the time of the evening offering, 
because worship and the sacrifice to God was a part of who he was. And even 50 years later, Daniel is saying that even though I haven't been able to offer this evening offering for 50 years, about this time of the day, every day, I'm reminded that my God is worthy of my sacrifice. That my God is worthy of my praise. Is our relationship with our God such that if, if everything were stripped away from us, that at night, laying in bed, we'd remember, you know, this is the time whenever you know, I used to be able to read my word, but now it's been taken from me. If on Sunday morning we were not allowed to gather as a body of believers to worship, would that moment at 10, 11 o'clock, 50 years from now, remind us that, you know, every Sunday about this time, we'd gather together to worship. Is our relationship with God such a part of who we are that if it were taken from us, if, if, if that tangible aspect of that relationship were taken from us, that it would never leave us? Daniel had such a relationship with God that when the tangible manifestation of his worship was taken from him, it was never taken from him. It was always with him 50 years after captivity worship was such a part of his life and listen what the angel gabriel said to him verse 23 the beginning of your supplication the command was issued and i have come to tell you you are highly esteemed that that the word highly esteemed uh in the hebrew uh is loved by God, honored by God, held in high standing by God. It, is, it can be translated, and it is translated, multiple different uh, ways in the Old Testament. Uh, but it's, it's, it carries with it the same, the same uh, idea that when the angel appeared to, appeared to Mary and said, Behold, you are highly favored, that God has compassion and favor upon you. That's the same mentality that's the same idea that is conveyed in that in that in that wording you are highly esteemed by god so i want you to hear what the angel gabriel is telling daniel he has just spent 20 verses confessing sin confessing his his iniquity confessing his failures before god and and the angel appears to him and says yeah you're right you deserve to be beaten like a red-headed stepchild no, that's not how the angel communicates to Daniel. He shows up and he says, God loves you. You are highly esteemed. You are, you are deeply loved by God. And I want us to hear that, church, is that God loves us not because of what we've done, but in spite of of what we've done not because of who we are but but in spite of who we are that god loves us he has compassion on us he is deep that we are deeply loved by god first john chapter 4 verse 19 tells us this as john is writing to the churches scattered throughout asia minor in chapter 4 verse 19 he says this 
He says, we love because He first loved us. The compassion that we're able to demonstrate to others is simply a result of the compassion that was demonstrated to us. We are deeply loved by God. But I want us to notice how Gabriel finishes chapter 23, verse 23. He says, if you look at the end of verse 22, he says, He gave me instructions and talked to me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. So chapter 22 says, I am going to give you insight and understanding. So in chapter, in verse 22, in verse 22, there is going to be understanding and revelation that is given to Daniel. And how is he to use that? Look at verse 23. For you are highly esteemed, therefore, or so, give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. We are given revelation, and it must be followed by obedience. Did you see that there in the passage? Chapter 22, he says, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you grace. How is that grace going to be manifest? You're going to be, you're going to be given insight. You're going to be given understanding. <coughs> it's going to be given a gift of grace, and, and you're going to be given insight, and you're going to be given understanding. There is going to be a gift of revelation that is given to you. Therefore, so, give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. We're given revelation. We've got to be obedient. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. I have given you insight, therefore heed, obey. Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 begins, All authority has been given unto me. I have given you insight, therefore obey. Jesus came. And he said, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want us to look at, at go back to chapter, uh, to verse 19, 18. Right here, right here, right here. <clears throat> 19. Jesus came and said, all authority has been given unto me. That is the gift. That's the revelation. All authority has been given unto, uh, un, unto Christ. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, uh, in the Greek language, there's, there's one verb in this passage. One verb. You say, well, no, there's not a preacher. There's a bunch of word, verbs. Go, uh, uh, baptize, uh, uh, make. Uh, there's a bunch of verbs in here. But there's not. There's one verb, and there's several participles. And participles are a verb that acts as an adjective or an adverb or, or ha- acts as some other part of speech. The only verb in verse 19 is make disciples. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me, so make disciples. How? As you are going, as you are baptizing, and as you are teaching. Go and make disciples. 
Make disciples is the verb as you go into the world, as you, as you work your jobs, as you go to the ball fields, as you, as you do whatever it is that you do, that is how, that, that is the, the methodology that you're going to make disciples. You're going to, you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. That, that's on the next verse, verse 20. You're going to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So we have one verb, make disciples. How's that going to take place? By going, by interacting with the world that we live in, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, by teaching them to observe all that we have been commanded. And we're given this promise that God will always be with us, that Christ will always be with us. So we have the same, we have the same command, we have the same structure in Daniel chapter 9. There is given this gift of revelation, and Daniel is commanded to do something with it. He says, I'm giving you a gift. Now go and be obedient. Church, we've been given a gift of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been bestowed salvation, not based upon anything that we have done, but based upon everything that He has done. He has given us grace. He has given us mercy. We have seen the the riches of His grace poured out in His loving kindness that, that, that we don't have to suffer the consequences of our sin because Jesus suffered the consequences of our sin on the cross of on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in a tomb and he rose three days later and then we come to church and we sit on our blessed assurance. There is a command that is an overflow out of the gift that we've been given. And that's to go and make disciples. We've been given a gift. We've been given revelation. Our eyes have been opened. Are we going to heed Are we going to obey? Let's pray.